your day is your life. Like you just keep repeating the same days, right? If your life is going to change, your days have to change and where your focus has to change and it can be gradual. So that's why I recommend every day saying, what do you want me to do? Or what should I do? Or however you pray that prayer. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up, reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Margaret Agard, who's a Reiki healer and a Christian mystic. She's also a former executive in the high tech industry and the author of a series of memoirs called In His Footsteps. We spent a little bit of time figuring out what we talk about today, and Margaret feels that the best thing that we can talk about is to discuss how to find your best life. And I think that this is going to fit well into my themes for the season, because we're probably going to hit a little bit on confidence, freedom, and possibly generosity too. Margaret, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jackie. I'm happy to be here. So... I always start off by asking people to tell us a little bit about themselves, a, a quick summary to tell us where, how you got to where you are now, because most people didn't start out aiming at where they are. Well, that's true. Although I had a funny thing happen, Jackie, but I'll, I'll get to remind me, I'm going to talk about the lake. I, um, you know, at one point I was a single mom with eight children Half were in high school, half were in college, but they were living at home because eight children, even though I was an executive in the high tech industry, I did make a good living, but again, eight children. So the way I helped them with school was they stayed home. I could go to a school nearby. (laughs) And I, at the same time, the high tech industry was changing. Um, So this is, we're talking, let me see, like 30 years ago. 25, 30 years ago. And at, at the time, you just had to be smart in math and stuff. And I, some people's brains just clicked off when I said the word math, but I'm not going to say any more about it, except to say I was. Uh, but at some point, I thought, oh, I have to get my degree. It's, a, it's at the point now, if you really want to move up in the industry, you better have that degree. And I only had a year left. So I decided to go back and finish the degree. Single mom, eight kids, sole financial support and working in the high-tech industry. And I, I knew how to set priorities. I knew how to say, here's what I'm going to do um, and what's the most important thing to do today. But at that point in my life, it seemed as if everything was a priority, as if I had three full-time jobs and I was hardly getting any sleep, maybe four hours a night. I was in my mid-40s. I was exhausted. I was wake up in the middle of the night in a panic thinking, ah, and I had done what people do, which is to lay out a 20 year plan. I was just kind of reviewing it the other day. It was, you know, I'm going to, when my youngest son graduates, then I can really move ahead in my industry because then I could travel. 
And I was in a business that had a 20-year growth span, so they would be looking to move people up. And I thought, okay, so I'm, I'm going to build up my 401k. I'm going to um, get my kids through college. I'm going to, the last few 10 years of my life, I'm going to focus on really building my career and my income. And I want to live on a lake. That's what I had written down. I want to live on a lake. So <clears throat> about that point though, where I was thinking, I, I don't even know how to get through a day, forget the 20 years. And everything I did, it, it wasn't quite right. It seemed like I would do a, a, a paper for class and then I would go in and there'd be a note on the door, a professor was sick, you don't have to turn in the paper till Friday. And I'd be thinking, you know, there were six other things I could have done and put this paper off. Or I'd go into a client and I'd have what they had asked for and they'd say, oh, we've completely changed our mind. We're still gonna pay you for it, but we want you to do it totally different. And I think, ah, if I'd only known. And so I started asking, as a Christian, I started saying, well, who, who knows what's coming? And I thought, well, I know who knows what's coming. It's God. Like if I could just see the future, I could do this better. And so that sort of out of desperation is when I started going to God every day with my to-do list and saying, what do you want me to do today, God? And I have to shut this down. So I'll make those little beepy noises again. And and, and he took over my life because I let him. And the way I let him was to say, what do I need to do today? Now, you know, if you don't believe in God, but you have some sort of sense of intuition or some sense of the divine, however you approach it, that's what I was basically doing. I had it, everything I was going to do written down on a paper. And then I would just go through doing, and I'd have a thought, not that one, not that one. Do this though, something else would come up, do this. And often what came up was in the middle of all this that I was doing, call somebody. That person just needs you to talk to them or take someone part of your meal. Like you just made a big meal, you know, for 10 people, take part of it to somebody. And I, as I began to do those things, uh, my life really did change. And if I only focused on what, um, God told me to do that day, then what happened is I was finished by eight o'clock at night. I could just sit and relax. And I never woke up in the middle of the night worrying that I had left something important undone because I thought God's got my back. And even if I was going somewhere and I was running late, I would have this thought, don't worry about it. They're probably running late too. Or I lived in the DC area, Washington, DC let me just say, traffic is either great or it's horrible. I was either a half hour early or a half hour late. There was no figuring it out. So, yeah. So when I look at that and I, I can look at your themes like freedom, confidence, generosity, I was being given all those things, much more free time, um, confident that what I was doing was the right thing and uh, also generosity. So what happens is I remarry. I wasn't planning that. It was a thought that came one day where I was, I was doing something else. And the thought came, you're going to get married. You're going to meet the man you're going to marry next fall. This was in February. And I thought, mm, no, thank you. I mean, I, I've <laughs> been there, done that. And I have two teenage sons. I can't even imagine teenage boys and a stepdad. Like, I uh, just don't even see that working out. And but eventually I sort of came around and prepared for it and remarried. And my whole life, my little 20-year-old, my 20-year plan, out the window, completely different. 
completely different life, except I'm looking here today thinking, wait, I live on a lake. So that part worked out. (laughs) And I just, at one point it was, I want you to write your life on the internet. And that turned into my first book. And then we served two-year missions where we just went out and helped people. And what I thought my life was going to be like was very different. And I love it. I like to say I got the most beautiful, unexpected life. I never even knew it was possible until I had it. That's, uh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm really interested. And if there's a couple of other podcasts where people have talked about their, their Christian faith and, and how it has guided them. And it, and it interests me. Um, I'm not saying I'm not Christian. I'm not saying I am. I'm just, it interests me immensely. And I wonder how you can just have the the confidence to just let go of all the things that you thought you needed to do and just let them not get done all of a sudden because you're letting God do the other things. But often I can ask, um, you know what? I'm going to have to like touch my nose. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I I just will ask and the confidence grew over time. So I guess I was afraid he'd be like, forget that I had to do dishes and there were bills to be paid, you know, like stuff like that. Like, hello, we don't have angels down here. And so, but that never happened. That never happened. And the things that did happen, I could ask and be told how to handle it instead or why it didn't. So I'll give you two examples. Um, Once I was getting ready to take my books back to the library. And remember, this is 20 years ago before the internet and everything is so hot. And and the thought came, uh, no, don't do that today. You're not going to have time. And I thought, they're due. I mean, honestly, I had to have to pay 10 cents if they were late. But (laughs) that's kind of how my thinking goes. And it was, no, no, don't. And then I, but then I did say, well, what am I supposed to do about it? And he said, use the phone, just call them and have them renew it. Or I thought, yep, I can do that. That's easy enough. <laughs> so often the things that I were, was thinking were important, and that doesn't sound like really important, but it was to me, integrity and all that. And then yep. another day, it was, so another day was very similar. We had a business where we we're selling things over the internet and it says right on there, ships next business day. So Monday was a very busy day for us because all the orders from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's like almost half the week went out Monday yeah. morning. And so that was just always at the top of my list. I mean, that was never changed. It was there. Do the orders. And one day, as I was doing that, one Monday, it was <clears throat> don't do the orders. And I thought, I'm sorry, God, I'm doing those orders because that's my word on the line. And we said we do the orders next business day and I'm doing them. I'm ignoring you right now. And so the day was a little crushed. It was a little jammed up because I had that. And the orders did take an hour or two to do. And I got to the post office and um, there was a federal holiday and it was closed. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you're working at home, you kind of forget. And all my kids were raised and you just forget what the holidays are. And so a couple of things like that happen and you start thinking, yeah. And also phone calls and things. I... At one point in my life, I was praying for a friend before I remarried. And, and again, this is a, when I was extremely um, busy with school and work and still a single mom. 
And the thought, one of those thoughts came, I want you to take dinner to this woman, Robin, who lived a block away. Well, I didn't really know Robin. I just kind of had seen Robin around. But I thought, okay. So I took a dinner to Robin. And that impressed her so much. She started reaching out to me. We started doing some things together. And we just became best friends. It was, I did this one thing and had this answer to my prayer that I needed a good friend. We became like your third grade best friend, except we had money and could drive. So we're a little better. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's why I say I, the confidence grew over time. It's not as if I every day said, okay, whatever. It, after a few years of doing it, I could say yes. And I still have moments where, not moments, but days where I think, I just don't even want to know. I got my own plans and I'm doing them. It, it doesn't usually last very long. And is that because? I don't, because, because I'm willful and don't like to be right, micromanaged. And, you know, I, I have plans. And as an, a, an executive, I say, just tell me what you need done. I'll go handle it. Don't ask me about it. You know, don't tell me how to do it. That's what, I don't need that. And but you so, say, you say, sorry, you say it doesn't last long. Is that because you start doing the things that you had planned and you realize that they're not really going the way that you thought they were going to go? For sure. And I feel, I don't feel quite as much joy. And what I've learned to do though, because of my personality is to do it at night to say, what do you want me to do tomorrow? That's, that's what's really happened. And often there will seem like there's going to be big gaps, but I have learned over time that those big gaps mean something's coming and I'm going to be needed to handle. And it can't be a good thing. It'd be a bad thing. This just happened the other day where I only had one thing to do. And it was a pretty simple thing. I I mean, I had to do some things. We were taking my husband to the doctor, you know, you get old things happen. And the one thing I had to do was just reach out to a friend who we've been helping clean up her place and say, which day will work for you? That's all I had to do was set the time. But while my husband and I were driving to the doctor, he said, I think we need to reach out to this other friend, take her out to lunch and just listen to her, just talk with her. And so that took a couple hours of our time, you know, to go get her in. And she agreed, you know, she was willing to do it. So that's the kind of things that happen in the gaps. Okay. So one of the things that my listeners hear from me a lot is make a list because that's what I do all the time. When I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do or what should happen next, I make a list all the time. And I read in your little, um, a mini biography on your on your website that you were a compulsive list maker. Oh, yeah. you never came close to accomplishing all the things that you always put on your list. Oh, it's huge. And and because of that, of course, you're always stressed. You're always thinking this list is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So, and I know you've said that it isn't like that anymore at all. But let's talk about that a little bit and, and how the difference came about and, and how you're feeling now because of not making those lists anymore. Because I think that. Although I will probably still make lists, maybe there'll be different lists. I did. I did still make lists, but like I said, I, I will add things to the list if I'm careful, if I'm not careful, if I just really focus um, on the list, I'm okay. Um, but what had happened at one point, I, I literally, it was a legal pad. I don't know, does 
does Canada, Canada and the UK are kind of different, but a legal pad is big, you know, it's like, yep. Oh, yep. yeah, 15 inches long. And I had five pages of things that had to be done on that legal pad. And every day I just look <laughs> at it and think, what's the most important, you know? And, and then I would add things all the time. And that, and that's when I really buckled down and started doing this is I, listen, here's the kind of list maker I was. If I did something that wasn't on the list, I put it on the list so I could mark it off. Yep. Now, now, I, not, so I know. Okay. So we're, yep. we're that kind of list maker and it took me a long time to really trust. But what happened during this time is I couldn't even look at the yellow pad anymore. And I just started going to God every day. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? And one day the thought came, look at the yellow pad. And I thought I didn't want to look at it. It depresses me. It was like, I want you to look at the yellow pad. So finally I looked at the yellow pad and as I went through it, I thought, oh, there's nothing left on there. I mean, either things never really had to get done. It didn't matter anymore, or I had done it. I, I don't know how God does that, but all I know is nothing was on that yellow pad anymore. I didn't have this list hanging over my head. So it all got accomplished the way it was supposed to. Yeah. The way it needed to be. Yeah. It was, hmm. I liked it. Yeah. And and I, but what happens is I just spend a lot of time, the more time energy and sometimes finances, I was willing to give to whatever God felt needed to be done the more of my time, energy, and finances, he opened up so that I could. After a while, you realize you have all you need and you have lots of time to help other people. Now we're kind of on the other end of the life, you know, because my husband just turned 83, about to turn 84 and got a heart disease and he's very active, very slender but just one of those things. So I see us doing less and less to help other people, but still every day we, there's some way we can help other people. And that's our greatest joy. I was just going to say, and that, that I think is probably what you get the most, most fun out of is seeing someone else help helped a little bit. Helped a little bit. And we do the things we like. I like to write. I get to do that. He likes to garden. He's out there. Every, he's out there now on his garden because when I do podcasts, I'm like no talking in the house. So he's like, I'll just go to the garden. <laughs> so let's yeah. talk a little bit about your books. Um, it's it's basically a series now in his footsteps. Yes. And how did how did they get started? How did you start writing? As I said, one day the thought just came. Um, I want you to write your your life on the internet. And at that time, this was '97. There's not not a lot of blogging or anything like that going on. And I wasn't sure how to do it. So it was one of those things like, okay, how? And then I was led to a website that was actually a private journaling site. And I began to write on there and people responded. I I got an idea of how to write a good story and how to use dialogue. Just a lot of things by, by just watching and listening to how people responded. And then after a couple of years of that, the thought came, make this a book. And I thought, I tried to take it and rewrite it. And it was like, no, this is the book. And so the first book, I, I like to call them chicken soup for the soul, but just one person. <laughs> so, you know how the chicken soup for the soul, there's like a page and a half story. Yep. And, yeah. And I thought, okay. So it is kind of following a life, 
and an arc, but the first book really is starts with that story of the yellow pad and how I turn my to-do list over to him. And it ends with this thought. I used to try to be good. So God would love me. But now I feel so deeply in my heart how much he loves me. And I want other people to feel that same love. And that's why I go out and do good now. Oh, it's beautiful. And then the second one, my husband and I basically sold our house, got rid of everything, and spent four years just doing mission work. And, you know, we were in Albuquerque, working in the inner city. We were doing a prison ministry. Then we were up in Alaska, north of the Arctic Circle, um, helping the natives put their, um, they had a lot of documentation. They wanted scanned and stored, and we were helping them with that. Just wherever we got sent and learned so much again. By then, what I would say what I was doing then was 24-7, whatever God wanted. Like, we didn't have any other projects. We didn't have gardens. We were writing books. We were just out helping. I learned a lot. I, what I share is what I learned because I'm so terrible as a, spiritually, I have a lot of growth to do. And one of the, my favorite stories in there is the time I was praying for something. We were in Albuquerque. We were visiting a family that only spoke Spanish. We spoke Spanglish. And, <laughs> and some friends had come to help us the first time we met with them to help them. And they were, we said it a second time and the friends were supposed to come. They didn't come. So we're there struggling. And the whole time I'm there talking my terrible Spanish, I'm praying that those people will go by and see our car and know we need help. But they never came. So the next day I ran into them and said, you know, and they said to us, oh, you know, we drove by that house and we, I guess I forgot they were going to come. And they said, we saw your car and we thought, wow, they have a lot of courage because they really need help. And the thing I left out of the prayer was <laughs> have them come in. Now you would think, okay, like what is God data or something? But I think he was trying to teach me a lesson. It wasn't a terrible thing, but he said, you know, I pray for what you really want. Not like not this nebulous. Yeah, darn it, come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole thing. And then the same thing happens at the end of the book. We're in Alaska. It's like you know, he likes to make sure you really get the message, and we're. In Alaska, cars just go off the road over cliffs, you know, and it seems like every time they slide off the road, they end up on their roofs. I don't know why. They look like little upside-down turtles. And yep. so we're driving on this really, I mean, you Alaska is huge. It's half the United States, and it only has like a million people population, and most are in Anchorage. So we're not in Anchorage, I can tell you. We're driving towards Canada, actually. And no other cars on the road. And all of a sudden, our car goes off. And there's a big truck, actually. We were leaving and full of all of our whatever worldly goods we had. And we're kind of half on the road and half on the um, whatever you call the side part. And there's a cliff there. And it's snowy and icy. And I'm saying to my husband, pull. And I'm praying like this. Just keep us upright. Just keep us upright. Just keep us upright. And on the road, right? And I said to my husband, why don't you pull back on the road? And he said, there's too big of a difference. And if I hit it, there's a good chance it'll just slide all the way across the road and end up in worse situation. So, so I was like, when I stopped praying, just keep us upright and said, help us get back on the road. And like five seconds later, there was a little spot where he was able to just kind of ease us back up on the road. And I could feel God's like, see, get it? 
<laughs> like you pray to step out yeah. your pray. You really want to be up on the road? That's what you should pray for. Wow. And that, <laughs> that's a good example, actually. That that's very, very clear. Ask for what you want. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So and hmm. yeah. don't just kind of think, oh, I'd like to be famous. Say, I want to write a book and I want to do this and I, you know, whatever it is you want. But, yeah. yeah. And what is how for me, people will say manifesting and faith. And I, the difference I see is often God has given me things like I didn't think I'm going to write a book. He said, I want you to write a book. Right. That kind of thing. And But there are things I do want to do. And, and I will ask for that for help doing that, too. But often what my greatest joy comes from doing the things that he's told you to do. He's told me to do. Right. And I have faith I can do that because he wouldn't tell me to do it if I couldn't do it. So what, uh, what suggestions do you have for the listeners to start them on the, on the path to finding their best life, to doing the things that, that they're really meant to be doing? However they reach out to the divine and, or just use their intuition. I, I honestly say, look, your day is your life. Like you just keep repeating the same days, right? If your life is going to change, your days have to change and where your focus has to change and it can be gradual. So that's why I recommend every day saying, what do you want me to do? Or what should I do? Or however you pray that prayer. And that's when my life changed as little things on my day and things I've been praying for or really needing it doesn't even seem like I, taking someone a meal. I didn't know that was going to turn into my best friend. Right. Right. That that's the kind of thing that just, just do it um, and be open. So if you're saying you're starting your day or ending your day, what should I do? So that's, you're just, here's what am list. I going to do? Here's what am list. I going to do tomorrow? Yes. Here's, 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 here's what I need to do. Here's what I think I need to do. And then you just, wait for that intuition, wait for that feeling to say, this is the one you need to do. Right. And, and, or add this. Do you question them? I mean, you said you did well, sometimes. You know, yeah. And sometimes it took me a while to learn to really recognize the spirit, but I started in the twenties trying to recognize the divine. And I have a few tips. And one is after you've prayed, there's going to be thoughts coming in your head. Well, you just said the prayer, pay attention to those thoughts. If you need to journal <laughs> or whatever, write it down. Yeah. And second, just be aware a thought will often come three, three or four times. I'll have the thought and I'll think, oh, I don't need to do that. Like, like invite someone to dinner. Oh, no, nope, nope. It's a Monday. I'm not inviting them. They just came Friday, blah, 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 like that. Right. And I'll keep, I'll keep saying, nah, because I think, oh, this is God. This is my ADHD speaking. And then <laughs> I'll have, oh, oh, oh. The, the third time it comes, I think, oh, I, this might, this is probably God. And then I'll say, is, is this you? And I'll have that sense of peace and assurance. Yes. And then I'll write it down and do it. And sometimes um, he's very clear and concise. So well, before we went to Alaska, I was afraid to go to Alaska because it's dark and it's cold and there's grizzly bears. So I had bear spray and I had a sad light. You know, I was ready. And I said, what else do I need to do? And that was my prayer. Is there anything else I need to do? And it was take a brisk walk every day. That's the thought that popped into my head right after I said that prayer. Now, I know the word brisk. I never 
have ever, I mean, have you ever in a casual conversation used the word brisk? I have. So, but I knew what it meant, right? It wasn't, I didn't have to take a jogging, but also it wasn't a leisurely stroll. I needed to get out there and get my heart rate up. And at the end of our mission, we actually spent nine months north of the Arctic Circle without a car, walked everywhere. And so, you know, we, I had to be in shape for that. Yeah. And I was. <laughs> so, that so, first walk paid off. <laughs> yeah. So, so there it is. It's like, yeah. So if a thought keeps coming back and it's a good thing, then just try doing it and start saying, is this God, if you haven't learned to really recognize that voice yet. And often, um, It'll be very clear and concise. And often you'll be asked to do some kind of service when you're praying for something. And I say, whatever that is, do it. Because that's probably where your answer is going to be. Okay. So, and and who knows what that answer is going to be, but you're going to find it when you're doing the things that you're told to do. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about being a Christian mystic. I, someone else wrote a book about it and I thought, well, what is that? And I looked it up and it said, um, a Christian mystic is one who is actively seeking to always be in God's presence. And I thought, well, that is definitely what I'm doing. So I fit the definition. I'm claiming that title. (laughs) okay so it's not um i can't say i know anything about mysticism or in my mind that's that's kind of a um magical kind of title magic yeah yes yeah but i think the difference between following um god and and thinking things through is often we're asked to do things that don't seem logical and often the results seem miraculous. And so in that sense, I think mysticism applies because we are doing things that to our logical mind don't make any sense. And then we have these amazing results. Okay. And how do you feel now looking back at your life, um, looking after eight kids as they, as they grew up, busy, busy times in the high-tech industry, and now your life, which... I would say is beyond retirement because you're doing so many other things. Um, How do you compare them? Well, what's similar is that service that taking care of people and what's different is I'm tired. I'm not doing as much. (laughs) Often I'm sitting down saying I could have done 10 times as much 15 years ago. (laughs) I didn't think I'd get tired, but I am. And yeah, it's a surprise. So I had another thought that had to do with, I forget it because I'm old. Now I forget. (laughs) So as, as time goes on, you get a little bit more tired. There's a fewer things that you can do, but that means that you spend more time figuring out what the important things are. Is that correct? I do. And my husband and I actually spent some time thinking about this a couple years ago, like, what do we have to do? If as a Christian, you believe Christ might be coming again, and what should we be doing? And it, it, first of all, was stuff your house full of food. And second, um, spend as much time as you can helping other people. And so we do try to keep our house, our house, our lives very simple. 
so that we can help other people a lot. And we're grateful that we had our house stuffed full of food just because before the pandemic, we also had paper goods. So we weren't worried about toilet paper. We were just like, oh, <laughs> we're ready. So. <laughs> so I can say, I can see that you got the, uh, got the right message. Get your toilet paper. Get your toilet paper. <laughs> you know, it's just enjoyable. I think as people are re- approaching retirement, the idea that, there's so much you can still be bringing to the world that you especially have learned so much. There's the number 40 in the Bible and it means a time of preparation. And if I look between when you became an adult in your early twenties and when you're retiring in your sixties, that those are 40 years of preparation and now God can really use you. I mean, not saying don't go golfing, but look for how else he might be able to use you. And I think that's just, and, and he will use your talents that make you happy. And I have okay, a friend think- who teaches ukulele and she loves music and she loves playing. I have a friend who has six dinner sets. Well, I have one. I hate to cook. Well, she's a type of person that she'll be, a, and she says, you know what? I just decided to invite 15 people over tonight. So come on over. And you're like, okay. Um, and so everybody's talent and what brings them joy is different and you've spent 40 years getting ready and now you have a lot of time to give i my mom's 95 i was sitting down the other day saying what do i want to do with the next 20 years yep and there's so much to do if you just yes in a very slow tired way yes well and that's okay (laughs) (laughs) it's okay to take your time yeah Yeah, fabulous. Thanks very much, Margaret, for having a chat with me today. I don't think that it was too strenuous, so no, that great. should no, be that should be okay for me. <laughs> yeah, I really it's appreciate uh, getting to know the kind of things that you do and and how God has helped you, I guess, in creating your life through retirement. I think that's wonderful. Thanks. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.